Yeah. We miss the Airstream. We also miss being able to see people in person, but. (laughs) (laughs) I miss normality. (laughs) Yeah. I miss not worrying about dying whenever I see somebody. You know what I miss? A casual hug. <laughs> God, I miss hugs. <laughs> You've got some questions. Got it all. You're feeling stressed, man. Got it all. Put on your GPS and got it all. Under the dirt, something is glistening. Download and listen to Tia, Katie, Chris, and Houston. You should got it all. So, yeah, welcome to the Go Dig a Hole podcast. I'm Chris, and we've got Tia here, and later on we'll be joined by Katie Tipton, and we have a special guest on today, Steph Homhofer. Steph, uh, you have been on the Women in Archaeology podcast for the pseudo-archaeology episode, uh, which is a really good one, and you've also joined us for happy hour calls before that I don't think ever got turned into podcast episodes, but it's been fun you know, keeping up with, with you on Twitter and, and following your, your work on pseudo-archaeology and the work that you do with the First Nations in BC. And uh, I'm excited to have you with us today. Well, thank you very much for having me. And it looks like Katie has entered the chat. Hello. Hey. <laughs> so sorry I'm late. Oh, no worries. We actually just got started. Oh, yay. Hello. Um, where are you calling in from? I am calling in from Wenatchee. Wenatchee. Yeah. Good old Wenatchee. Lots of apples. <laughs> Go Wenatchee. They've got apples. <laughs> Lots of them. <laughs> so I just introduced uh, Steph Homhofer, and Steph is joining us from BC. Oh, hello. Um, so last year, We sat in the Airstream trailer that we all miss so dearly, and we told spooky stories over adult beverages and creeped each other out, and it was a whole lot of fun. And it ended up being, um, hands down, one of the most listened to episodes of the podcast yet. Like People loved that episode way more than they love any of the other episodes. So we figured (laughs) we'd try and uh, bottle lightning once again. Uh, so I don't know if we'll succeed in it, but anyway, um, so we were all talking about, you know, like all the spooky ideas we had and and Tia brought up some good ideas, uh, on our last episode about, uh, how historic places and kind of the landscapes that archeological sites and significant cultural areas tend to be in often coincide with ghost stories and stories of hauntings and stuff like that. And then when I was um, talking on Twitter with Steph, um, Steph said something really interesting about how, um, you know, you, you feel like it's important that we take the risk of talking about spooky places and hauntings and what we feel because it's, um, the kind of thing that we might feel like will be harshly judged by our professional colleagues, but there's something to it. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that stuff? Yeah, this idea of, I, I think we can all admit we've had uncanny experiences at some point in our lives, whether on a site or off a site, we, things have happened that we can't find an explanation for. Um, but yeah, we, we don't really talk about it that much. And I feel like when we do talk about it, it's, it's kind of like a, like a trust building thing when we're recognizing that we're not going to be judging each other for sharing these experiences. It's, um, I mean, my colleagues and I, we love to share these stories at some point on every project I've been on, we share these stories and the team just sort of grows closer afterwards. And I, yeah, I think it's just a trust thing that we know we're not going to be judging each other for these strange experiences. Absolutely. I think it's also like, we're so integrally tied with these historic places, like working at them, that it's like, as you said, I think every archaeologist I've ever met has some sort of story that, you know, when we work there and we're so closely tied to it, that it's almost inevitable that you would experience something that, you know, feels a little off or different or unique. Um, 
And yeah, I definitely feel closer to all the archaeologists when I'm like, did you guys like ever experience something creepy? And they're like, yes. Oh my God. Thank you. (laughs) It's funny what registers is creepy too. So like when I was looking up, um, you know, I, I, I was looking up all sorts of things for this episode, you know, like ghost stories and historic haunted places and stuff. And I kept getting these, um, hits on Reddit for, um, abandoned staircases in the middle of nowhere. And so like people, people who are out hiking or hunting encounter chimneys or stairwells, uh, that are left over from collapsed uh, old buildings. And that really creeps them out. They, they think there's something to it that there's a, a, just a staircase and nothing else in the middle of nowhere or a chimney and nothing else in the middle of nowhere. And so there were all sorts of uh, like spooky stories that people would tell on, on Reddit. A lot of them were fiction. A lot of it was just (laughs) people being like, there's something to it. It's just, and I'm just thinking it's because it's the most structurally sound part of the building and the rest has collapsed or burned down or been salvaged. Just totally removing that spookiness or creepiness from it. Like very logical of like, yeah, well, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've seen tons of them, but I'd never thought to be creeped out by it. (laughs) I just, I love that idea. Like there's a staircase. (laughs) What's with all these staircases in the middle of the woods? You know what freaks me out? Stairs. (laughs) If it was a ramp, I'd be fine. There's something to these stairs. That's creepy too. I think I'd be cre- more creeped out about a ramp going to nowhere than a staircase. (laughs) I had so much fun looking this, like doing research for this project, for this pod. I was so excited. Yeah. I even creeped myself out with a few of the stories. Yeah. I shared some of them in the chat last night and there were some I didn't share because I was like, I can't say this out loud. I can't even tell another person. Like I'm not going to sleep very well after reading this stuff, like very spooky stories. Uh, that I, I later dug around in and figured out it was fiction. But <laughs> I was like, yeah, there's no freaking way. This is so creepy. Um, it was one of the spooky stories was about, uh, and it made me think of, of something that you and I were talking about, Steph, is um, like haunted forests. And so I was, I was kind of looking up stuff about that. And I kept seeing these stories about um, that and, these just really creepy stories from people who had been, you know, either search and rescue victims uh, in forests and they encountered something uh, that couldn't be explained. And I remembered when I was um, in my early twenties, I worked as a wilderness backpacking guide. And um, one of the guys who trained us uh, talked about how, when you're in the woods, or in wilderness areas alone for long enough, you get the fear is what he called it. And it's basically, you just like, you creep yourself out to the point where you cannot be consoled and it starts to make you panic. And um, like, I never got it, but I thought I got it one time and I heard these noises at night and I was like, something is coming for me. And it kept getting closer and closer. And I, I wasn't sleeping in a tent. I was sleeping in like a, uh, trekkers tarp spread across two uh, trekking poles. And so anything that wanted to go through could go through. And so I heard this thing getting closer and closer in the, in the leaves and the sticks and stuff. And, you know, like when there's no sound anywhere else, like you can't really tell like where it is or what it is, how big it is. Every, every tiny thing sounds big. And so it gets like super, super close. And I'm just like on the verge of panicking. And I turned my headlamp on and like rolled over real fast. And it was just a raccoon. Goddamn trash pandas. They do it every time. I know. And I was like, oh (laughs) God, I thought it was Bigfoot or something like that. Or like some kind of like forest spirit coming after me, like some kind of monster. It sounded so big, but it was just a raccoon coming to check me out. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Haunted, uh, haunted raccoon. Yeah. And uh, Tia, we were joking last time too about um, how Florida, the entire place is haunted. (laughs) It made me think uh, when I was a kid, I used to read Goosebumps and there was a story about a haunted swamp 
uh, and it used to creep me out because it vividly described like the palmettos and the black swamp water and the Spanish moss hanging from trees and the endless noise of all the things in the swamp. And I could, I could picture that. And I was like, you know, I could just picture these places that I went to when I was a kid, uh, being haunted and having like monsters and ghosts and stuff there. Uh, and so when I was a little kid, I was super creeped out by that story of haunted swamps. Um, and I keep thinking about what you were mentioning, Steph, about the haunted forest. So I'm just dying to hear about the haunted forest. <laughs> the free candy forest. <laughs> <laughs> I call it the free candy forest, but it was the, oh man, I think I shared photos of it on, on Twitter, but but yeah, the survey that uh, my colleagues and I had to do a few years ago, actually in, in Ontario, it was a weird forest. And you walked in on this path and literally the right side of the path, the forest is absolutely beautiful. It's so green. It's very lush. There's all these birds. And then you look on the left side of the path and it's just dark dead cedar and just off where you sort of can see it not quite is this like shack made of twigs um just all these twigs piled up and and somehow secured i don't even know how they secured it together um and so every day when we walk into this forest you're kind of just looking because it's so bizarre and we're doing our, our transects and eventually I think it was a couple of weeks into the survey, our, our transect lines were going to take us straight to the shack. And we're just like, oh my God, which one of us has to go through the shack? <laughs> and the weird thing too is this one day I was a bit late getting to site. And so I told my colleagues like, go ahead, I will somehow find you in this giant forest. So I walk in and I'm walking down this, this track or this path and something up ahead catches my eye. And I'm like, oh God, what is it? Um, and it turns out it's this beautiful red fox, this very lovely red fox. And he's just like trotting through the forest and he goes across this little fallen log that's kind of over a pond and he's going straight towards the shack. And he stops, he gets off the log on the shack side of the pond and he stops. And he sort of just like looks around, sniffs around and then turns and goes back over the log away from the free candy shack. And we, and we ended up calling it the free candy shack because eventually when our transects took us to this shack, the closer we got, we started to see things um, spray painted on the trees leading towards the front of the shack. And on the first tree in like red spray paint, it said free. And then another tree, candy, another tree inside. And then the fourth tree, an arrow pointing into the shack. There was. There was no candy nope. inside no, that shack. Um, just Aww. some terrible fate waited to be had. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so, so creepy. creepy. And then like elsewhere <laughs> in the forest, we came across, it was another part of the forest that, um, it must've been from, I think the ice storm that we'd had in the winter and it had bent a lot of the young trees. So you come into, still on the dead side of the forest, this area with these like, big bowed trees um and i'm thinking you know like a giant troll or something must have gone through there i don't know if anybody's seen the troll hunter the um the nor is it norwegian or danish (laughs) one it's amazing and i'm thinking of these like trolls going through this forest at this point but later in this area there was this like little rock pedestal on the ground and just a baseball sitting on top i don't know what that was about but just a baseball in the middle of this like weird bent forest. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Don't weird. touch the random baseballs. Yeah. Oh, and then wow. elsewhere there was also a um, in the middle of the forest there was a, a 1950s Hudson Hornet, which is like this beautiful old car, but it was popular with the mobsters. Uh, and I don't know why it was sitting in the middle of this forest. Weird forest. This I is... think. Was yeah. the trunk open? <laughs> <laughs> and there, there were no skeletons. Well, we didn't get too close to look. <laughs> yeah. That is an odd conglomeration of things. Yeah, yeah. The free candy forest is a very strange place. Ooh. <sighs> yeah, that shack, I would have been 
yeah, I'd be like, who wants to trade transex with me? <laughs> I'm not going to go near that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's going to take one for the team on this one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what did the fox know about the free candy shack that made it not go in there? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was super weird. He just turned so fast. That fox knew something. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Shivers. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was an experience. The free candy shack. <laughs> I'm that this person who ever built it couldn't afford like a van to drive around. So they were trying to like lure. <laughs> I can't afford to lure the normal way. So I'm... spray paint it. That'll get them. You know yeah. what? You know what kids love? Twigs and spray paint. <laughs> and a half dead forest. <laughs> yeah, right. Only one way to find out what's really inside that shack. <laughs> <laughs> no thank you no well so when i was looking up stuff about um the spooky story i wanted to to share um i kept coming across ghost towns um and couldn't really find anything good in terms of um them being haunted but i have visited a couple of the ghost towns in oregon um and oregon especially the eastern side of the Cascades, has um, an interesting history with boom and bust. And Shanico is one of the towns um, that's named for a German settler. Um, and they, they ended up changing his the spelling and pronunciation of his name um, when he came across and uh, kind of established the town in Shanico. Uh, but at one point in time, it was the wool capital of the United States. And it really only had it, it at one point was the most populated uh, settlement in Oregon. And uh, that only lasted for about 10 years. <laughs> and uh, it, it had to do a lot with the, the rail industry. And so the rail line came through. And I think this guy was trying to court the rail line to come through Shanico and it did not come through Shanico. And so all this, uh, development he did to try and get his town to be a, a big boom town out there uh ended up not paying off so it fell into uh disrepair and uh a, a lot of that little town sits abandoned um, but people still live there and it's uh, got a vibrant tourism industry and uh the last time i went through there i had prior to me going through there, I had read about it being a ghost town and I was like, Oh man, there's not going to be a single soul here. There was like, I don't know, like 60 people there. And I was like, come on. I wanted to see like <laughs> nobody, nothing, just ruins. Uh, so spoiler alert, Shanico is not like what you would imagine for a ghost town, but it's a, it's a cool place to drive through and stop and get gas or whatever. Um, but I did read about uh, some haunted places that are on the National Register of Historic Places. Um, one is Cottage Grove, Oregon. And so downtown Cottage Grove was listed to the National Register of Historic Places in 1992. And since then, a large portion of the city is within or contributing to a historic district. Hmm. And there are a couple places that have um, spooky tales surrounding them. One is Mount David. Uh, it's a local treasure loved by residents for being a beautiful piece of nature in the middle of town. But true locals know to leave before dark. Wanna wanna. Wah, wah, wah. There's said to be a spirit that will chase away any visitor as soon as the sun sets. There's a family cemetery of colonists from the 1850s on the hill, which is named after the settler David McFarland. Before that, the Kalapuya people are said to have held ceremonies on this secret, sacred place. And in the 1920s, a swindler named Reverend Olson claimed that Mount David was full of oil. <laughs> but after the initial well was dug, he disappeared along with all the investors' money. 
No oil was ever found, but the hole remains today. <laughs> I love that people think that there's a there's a spirit that will chase you away after dark, so nobody goes there. I bet the locals go there after dark. <laughs> Another uh, spooky place in Cottage Grove, uh, deep within the Umpqua National Forest, is Bohemia Mountain full of abandoned mines and a ghost town left behind by the rugged men who spent their days working here. Exploring the ghost town on the trail is immediately spooky. Bones of old structures and rusty tools left behind make it feel as though people living and working here just disappeared in the middle of some task. Many men died hauling out the modern equivalent of more than $30 million worth of gold and silver. Visitors today might encounter the ghost of a prospector or two who lost their lives to the treacherous mines or a greedy fellow gold hunter. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I'm also spooked by random rugged men in the forest. So. <laughs> right, yeah. I don't want to encounter a random rugged man in the forest. No. <laughs> Especially one that might be a greedy fellow gold hunter. <laughs> Not to say that I am a greedy gold hunter. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, w I was looking for, like, a solid ghost story. And so my searches started to congregate around Cottage Grove, Oregon. And uh, I found a website called Ghosts of America that has a lot of reported ghost sightings. Um, some of them are uh, just like scant details can't really make much sense of it and <laughs> i just heard spooky laughter there may or may not be an overwatch gaming session going on <laughs> that i think they might have lost around that was perfect timing <laughs> Robert's a podcast star. <laughs> yeah, so on Ghosts of America, they have these uh, ghost reported like reported sightings of ghosts. And uh, they really range from just like complete nonsense to, you know, somebody really trying hard to convince you that they saw a ghost. Um, but there are a whole bunch of them that just sound like um, the best of next door. Where <laughs> the one is just creeped out by their neighbor and so this one ghost sighting in cottage grove really stood out to me and i i figured i would share it with you all um so th this is how the the sighting is reported so this happened sunday morning september 27th 2015 on meyer road off sears road near saginaw what did i see this morning I was driving my paper route at 4.45 a.m. on Meyer Road, about a quarter mile down the road. Suddenly, I saw a man, about six foot two, about six foot two. <laughs> he was standing on the side of the road, head down, hands in his light blue overall pockets. He never once looked up to me and was standing in a very posed position with one foot kicked out. It took all of about five seconds to round that corner and drive past him, but I was totally creeped out. It was very dark and in the middle of nowhere. I drove the next mile delivering papers. I went up the top of the hill and turned around. I began prepping myself for seeing him again in a mile, except he appeared a half mile closer to me, which was not only up an incline, but around two corners. It's, it had only been six minutes since the time I passed him, so he seemed to travel so fast. He was standing in the middle of the road. Again, his head was down. He never acknowledged my car approaching and never made eye contact. His left side was facing me, and he was sidestepping to his left in small six-inch shuffle steps. Same as before, it took all of five seconds to drive around him. What was that? They wrote that in all caps, so I had to say it that way. Seriously, a man walking around town at that hour sounds more reasonable with questionable intentions, maybe, but he was in the middle of nowhere. 
He seemed really out of place. I called the sheriff and made a report of suspicious activity, but I can't get the creepy guy out of my mind. <laughs> He's reported as a ghost, guys. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. I was wondering. <laughs> That's logged as a ghost sighting. I just... <laughs> It's the idea of like Edgar is like the town like crazy homeless man. Like I saw a ghost. I love how detailed it is. About six foot two, like a solid estimate. Also, like it's four forty five a.m. in like a rural road up the side of a steep hill. Like the guy's probably not going to be looking straight at the headlights of a car, and probably going to be shuffling away from the car. Nothing strange about that, but he's a ghost. So <laughs> don't wear overalls and shuffle around or your neighbors will say that you're creepy and report you as a ghost. <laughs> that describes a whole handful of archaeologists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's most of us. How Wearing many archaeologists? And shuffling around. <laughs> yeah. Setting up for your transect line first thing in the morning. Sun is barely up. Someone has reported you as a ghost already and called the sheriff. <laughs> it's, just, it's like a video game like notification. You've been reported as the ghost. Achievement unlocked. <laughs> You're a ghost. And also, what did they expect the sheriff to do? <laughs> Is the sheriff Call the a Ghostbusters. Ghost <laughs> <laughs> Go to the spot and be like, Hey, hey, Edgar, how's it going? <laughs> You've been reported as a ghost again. Would you mind getting off the road? <laughs> yeah. Maybe don't walk in the middle of the road. You could stop your six inch shuffling. That'd be great. Take longer strides, please. <laughs> Take longer strides. <laughs> We're laughing, but what if that's the spirit that chases people off of Mount David it's after the dark? <laughs> yeah, the <True>. swindler. <laughs> that's awesome. That is pretty awesome. So that's my story for spooky, haunted, historic places. Ooh. <laughs> um, uh, I'll go next. Um, so I also just googled like most haunted places in portland um and a couple really good options came up but uh the lone fir cemetery popped up as like number 10 and i really enjoy historic cemeteries so i was like let's do it um so my sources for this come from OregonMetro.gov, FriendsOfLoneFirstCemetery.org, um, the Oregon Historic Sites Database, um, PortlandGhost.com, America's Haunted Road Trip.com, Portland Mercury, um, Willamette Week, Find a Grave. Uh, yeah, those are all my sources. Um, and to first acknowledge that um, the Lone Fir Cemetery sits on the lands taken from the Multnomah and Clackamas Chinook people, as well as the Kalapuyan people who are now um, a part of the Confederated Tribes of Grand Ron and the Siletz, Confederated Tribes of Siletz. Um, so the Lone Fir Cemetery was also listed on the National Register in 2007 with five eligible resources um, contributing to it, including the McLee Mausoleum, the Pioneer Rose Garden, which was to commemorate women of the Oregon Trail, uh, the Soldiers Memorial, which is for the Spanish-American War, um, and those are contributing elements. Um, the period of significance for the National Register is from 1855 to 1952. However, uh, it the first grave to be plotted in the Lone Fir Cemetery was of Emmer Stevens in 1846, and this was um, a part of his donation land claim property. Um, it's located in southeast Portland, and it's named now the Lone Fir Cemetery because of what was once the Lone Fir <laughs> in the cemetery. Um, it's no longer the Lone Fir because the cemetery is now also an arboretum which is pretty interesting. Um, and 
it was initially called the Mount Crawford uh, Cemetery. Sorry, my sources are kind of all over the place. It's <laughs> 30.5 acres with 25,000 people buried there as of 2007. Um, it's also one of the longest continuously used cemeteries in Oregon. Um, do, do, do. It was expanded in 1855-1874-1892-1894-1901. However, it's kind of well known um, for having kind of sat in disarray for a while. Um, it wasn't really taken care of. People didn't really want to have it. It went back and forth. And finally, Multnomah County took care of it. Um, and then the Friends of the Lone Fir Cemetery took over. Um, and they've been doing a great job uh, ever since. Um, so... What's interesting about the cemetery as well is that a nearby asylum opened in 1862, and it was actually renowned as a model institution due to its compassionate care for the individuals that were there. And now keep in mind, this is 1862, so compassionate care is completely different from what we would consider compassionate care now. Um, but Dr. Hawthorne uh, was the founder, and he was known to give patients a dignified burial um, or again, what was considered a dignified burial of the time, because a lot of the people's families at this asylum just didn't care about these people. Um, and so 132 patients are buried in this cemetery. Um, it's also should be known that a lot of graves, uh, 10,000 graves in the cemetery are unmarked. Uh, so don't know the names of the people who are buried there. Um, also what's really interesting is, um, and this is something that in the Pacific Northwest and the West, especially we should know more and honor more is that, um, there is a large Chinese burial portion of the cemetery, um, and that Chinese immigrants are integral and important parts to the story of the building of West, the West and Portland in particular, um, so basically, these Chinese immigrants in Portland were buried in the southwest corner of the cemetery um, as their remains were waiting to be returned back home to China. Um, however, the cemetery was bulldozed in 1948 when Multnomah County decided they wanted to use the land for a highway. And all remains were sent back to China. However, in 2004, Multnomah County wanted to sell off that portion of the cemetery um, of land. They just wanted to get rid of it. However, the Friends of the Lone Fir Cemetery gathered Chinese descendants as well as the local community who showed up in force to protest the sale. And in this protest, they were able to get an archaeological investigation with GPR that was conducted and found two intact bur um, burials, so two people who weren't sent home. And the land wasn't sold. Uh, so that's um, that was great that we kept it there. And they are now building um, a monument to the Chinese uh, workers and people who were buried in that part of the cemetery. Um, the cemetery also has a bunch of like the founders of Portland buried here. Um, the first uh, brewer of the Dalles and the second ever brewery in Portland that opened in 56, like 1856, uh, George Friedrich Bottler, his uh, tomb is there. Um, there's also a section of the cemetery that is for firemen who died in 1862. Um, so the haunting, so it's a bunch of people have seen a lot of ghosts in the cemetery, which makes sense from, you know, 10,000 unmarked grave, asylum, burials, um, and just the general uh, history of it. However, um, the several people who are like kind of creepy or notorious sort of people who are buried there are Archie Brown and James Johnson, who were hanged for murder and then buried uh, together 
um, Crawford Dobbins, who was one of the first people buried in the cemetery and who it, the cemetery was initially named after, he died in a gazelle, the gazelle ship explosion, which happened that it was apparently really horrific. Like one quote was saying that there was like body parts strewn on the dock from this explosion of the ship. Um, so it was pretty horrific explosion. Um, a man named James Turk, who was a famous famous Shanghai kidnapper and is buried here. And he reportedly Shanghai'd his own son who didn't want to help him Shanghai other people. So he um, oh my God. put him on a ship, uh, just was like, later, bro. Um, Earl Riley, who was a one-time mayor of Portland and well-known for his many corruption scandals, is buried there. Um, a woman named Alice o Oberlay, Oberlo, uh, is a famous prostitute said to have at one point 6,000 lovers, and her own sister was her madam. Um, she's buried there. And then um, a woman named Charity Lamb, and this is really interesting, <laughs> the information I found on her. Um, it was initially written that I found that she murdered her husband when he was having a lovely, nice evening with their children. And then she just like went crazy and killed him, um, which I was like, that seems kind of crazy. And it turns out that the reason she killed him was because he was extremely abusive and she couldn't take it anymore. So she killed him with two blows to an act with an ax to the head. Um, I'm, and I mostly just say that because always take with worth a grain of salt when people say like you know oh this person just went crazy and murdered this per like this woman's husband abused her and you shouldn't kill your husband but i mean i mean <laughs> um i see her... no crime <laughs> but the location of her grave is unknown um the most famous ghost however is that of um Anne Jeanine Tingri Lacoz, um, who is better known as, um, uh, sorry, I just lost it. Better known as Emma Merliton. And she was a French immigrant who moved to the United States in 1850, um, or she was born in 1850 and then her family emigrated in 1856. Um, <laughs> she was a French courtesan in portland and she was very famous and she was actually a courtesan mostly of wealthy women um so it's kind of interesting that in the 1800s uh she was a courtesan to wealthy women in oregon um and she was as i said was really famous. However, she was found murdered with an axe, presumably by a robber in her own home on Southeast Third in Yamhill, which was apparently the old like prostitute district in Oregon. Um, her, she was murdered on December 22nd and her killer was never found. They arrested a man, um, a man named William Sundstrom, who was a Finnish sailor um, he, he was found with blood on his clothes and a hatchet, but he was never charged with her murder. Um, so her case went unsolved. And apparently at the time um, in the 1800s, they believed that your eyes kept the last image that you saw before you died. So her eyes were removed from her head before she was buried so that scientists could study her eyes to see who her killer was. Um, and she's been said to be seen strolling around the, um, the cemetery in a red dress, wandering around. Um, another person has seen an elderly bearded man with jerky movements um, that when addressed ends up screaming like a blood curdling scream at people. Um, and lots of people just kind of see general spirits walking through. Um, and I should have mentioned that Charity Lamb was the first woman, the woman who murdered her husband, uh, was the first woman to be convicted of murder in Oregon territory and is sentenced to a life of hard labor in the Oregon State Penitentiary in 1854. She was also the only woman in that prison. Um, she was then transferred to Dr. Hawthorne's asylum in 1864 and died there in 1879. Um, so the the cemetery has, as I said, a bunch of 
different kind of crazy sort of people. Um, most of the founders of Portland are buried here. Uh, it's got this really huge mausoleum there, as well as a couple odd, like large tomb or obelisk monuments for people who are died there. Um, but yeah, it's it was a fascinating site to research, and it ended up being cooler researching just the general history of the cemetery than the ghost hauntings. <laughs> so I got a little off in the weeds about the other stuff, but um, definitely a place to go visit. They also, when things are normal, they do um, Halloween tours of the cemetery of cool, <laughs> interesting graves. Um, so that is the story of the Lone Fur Cemetery. <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't know there was that much going on at the Lone Fur. Right? I had no idea. I was like, oh, it'll just be like an old cemetery. And it was like, nah, bitch. <laughs> There's stuff. <laughs> Tia, do you happen to know if the Lone Fur still stands? It does. Because I was looking up uh, the Portland Heritage Tree directory and... There is a Douglas fir <laughs> in the northwestern yep. corner. That's it. It's huh. the north. Yep, and it's the it was there at its inception, and then um, it kind of inspired the growth of a bunch of different like it has a bunch of different tree types in this cemetery. And then there's the Pioneer Rose Garden that I mentioned, and it has some of the oldest roses in. Uh, the West there. Wow. Um, and it's honoring um, Oregon, women of the Oregon Trail. So that's pretty cool. I know that. Yeah. So I'm excited to go visit it because I didn't know about <laughs> it until researching ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Weather depending, we could uh, see if we could do a socially distanced uh, spooky hangout on Halloween. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's full moon. It's Saturday. Yeah. It's gotta be ghosts. <laughs> or we could go to Cottage Grove and see if we could get chased off <laughs> by the overall shuffler. <laughs> yeah. There's so many opportunities. <laughs> Oregon's a real spooky place. <laughs> I forget how old in a sense the state is. Like there's just so much that has happened here throughout time. Absolutely. Am I not? Well, it's your spooky story, Tipton. <laughs> spooky story. Well, I went to Washington. I went to my hometown, Snohomish. Um, there's the Oxford Saloon, that's what it's called. Uh, it's supposedly one of the most haunted spots in Washington. Now, Snohomish is not abandoned. It's a full functioning town. <laughs> Fully functioning. <laughs> functioning in some sense. Uh, but uh, it is one of the older towns in Washington on, on the west side. Um, started in the 1850s. Again, Washington as a state is a very, quote unquote, young state compared to the others. Um, but just real quick, the information uh, is compliments of weirdus.com and seattlerefined.com, two very interesting <laughs> sources. Um, but the saloon itself was built in 1890, and it was for the first decade known as the Blackman's Dry Goods Store. So it wasn't even a saloon yet. Nothing has happened. They just sold stuff. Um, then it became a saloon. And over the years, it's changed owners and uses, but each owner incorporated the name Oxford. So hopefully when you look back at it, Oxford is somewhere in the name. Um, when it was remodeled as a saloon, the owners added like a, an entrance and a stairway leading to several rooms on a second floor. So I believe it was one story before it became two, um, which were known as uh, were like boarding rooms up top of the saloon, um, but there's rumors that a businesswoman named Kathleen or Catherine, they none of the sources can get it straight, uh, rented them as high-class bordellos mm. or bordellos. I took French. 
<laughs> um, but supposedly over the course of the history of the saloon, 10 people have died there. And that's quite a lot for such a small town, like 14,000, um, including two who were murdered. Uh, one of the resident ghosts is, is Kathleen, supposedly. They can't confirm. Um, as the story goes, she ran the brothel upstairs and her death was just a little unsettling. They found her crumpled in a closet upstairs and no one knows how or why she got there. There isn't any uh, reason or rhyme to it. They can't pinpoint it, but she wanders the upstairs. They're now offices as she, it's a, she wears a purple dress apparently and wanders just the upstairs and people tend to see her every now and then, but she's not so scary. They just kind of say hi and move along with their business. Um, downstairs, there was a men's card room and the bar itself. And there was one well-documented killing and they didn't say when this happened, um, but it was of a policeman named Henry who also moonlighted as a bouncer at the Oxford. So I'm thinking it's within the last 60, 70 years. Um, one night there was a fight and Henry attempted to break it up and he was knifed and died in the melee, their words. Um, so he hangs out uh, around the stairs leading to the basement um, and has been seen many times in the ladies' room <laughs> uh, and has been seen and felt by many women reporting being pinched by him. So he is not cool. One. Classic doorman. <laughs> right? Like, as I was reading this, I was like, wow, he's kind of a dick. <laughs> Are you sure he doesn't still work there? <laughs> no, he probably still does, yeah. Um, they just don't have to pay him anymore. <laughs> he, like, oh. uh, he disappears when confronted. So people have said that they've confronted him and he disappears. So <laughs> word of advice, just go into the ladies' room and be like, Henry, fuck off. Like, <laughs> I like how he'll disappear. You won't get pinched. Like how Henry's like, oh God, well, if I died, I'm gonna haunt this place. I might as well harass women. <laughs> right. <laughs> or like hanging out by the the stairwell to the basement. It's like I imagine you have to go down there to change the kegs out. And you're like, Henry, no. Henry, Henry, no. <laughs> Not tonight, Henry. <laughs> it's been a long day. <laughs> um you're cut yeah, off, Henry. It was, it was. <laughs> You're cut off, Henry. <laughs> um, but yeah, they actually investigated the saloon in 2005 for paranormal activity. Um, and it, it dove way deeper than I really wanted to go with it. There wasn't anything profound besides Henry pitching people's butts. <laughs> <laughs> But I remember as a kid, and this is why it stuck with me, is it, it looks so nice and quaint on the inside, but when you actually walk inside, it you kind of get a vibe that stuff has happened here. So that has really stuck. And you can go to their website and report sightings to, so. That's cool. Um, and I didn't go down too far down the rabbit hole on that, but I found one reported sighting of a family that like they're a family member used to like own it back when it was a grocery store way back and they went to go celebrate and be like this used to be I forget their name so and so's place let's have a cheer and they said they remember cheering and starting to smell cigar smoke and you're not and this was when you couldn't smoke in bars anymore and so they feel that maybe the spirit of the original, one of the owners came back and was trying to participate in the cheers. Um, but yeah, there's just kind of random stuff like that happening in this place. And Snohomish itself is a historic district. So I'm sure there's, <laughs> there's tons of other stuff going on, but for some reason the, it tends to gravitate at the Oxford. So if you're ever there, go check it out once this whole COVID thing is <laughs> done. I drove past it a few months ago. I was up there for a couple cell tower surveys <laughs> and uh, uh, 
I didn't get a chance to stop by, but I remember that building sticking out to me and being like, huh, someday I'll have to pop in there. Yeah, they have dancing as well. My mom's gone dancing there a few times, like partner dancing, and she hasn't set, seen anything, but she remembers me not wanting to go in as a kid. So, Ooh. and kids, ma'am, kids see shit. Yeah. Well, I didn't because I didn't go in. <laughs> Damn it, Tipton. <laughs> I know. I missed my opportunity. That was awesome, though. Yeah. So I thought I'd go back to somewhere familiar. Um, I used to work as a collections tech at a local museum and I worked at the offsite location and I was the only one who worked at the offsite storage location. And every once in a while I'd hear chains shaking in the back. Uh, it was like the, the storage area was kind of split into three sections in the office where I sat was at the front where you sort of came in. There was like another section to the left and then kind of like a warehouse area behind. And there's like doors and walls between all these sections. And every once in a while I'd hear chains shaking in the back corner of the uh, the warehouse section. And there were no oh, chains back there. That's a... None. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing that was weird about it was we had um, floorboards from the gymnasium at one of the oldest schools in town because the school was being torn down and for some reason the museum wanted to save the floorboards of, of the gym. So we had these floorboards in the back corner, another sort of little room in the back corner of one of the areas. And um, it was like so creepy. I hated going in there. So I tried to avoid going in there at all costs. And this one day I was talking to my mom and my mom, I mentioned the, the floorboards of this gym. I was like, yeah, we've got old Mitchell school floorboards. And she's like, oh, I went to Mitchell school. Like when they moved to Canada and, and she started elementary school, she's like, yeah, I went to Mitchell school. Apparently the gym was haunted. And I was like, that's oh, why. <laughs> well then, that explains that feeling. <laughs> and it's funny what it like, like attaches <laughs> to like tear it down and they're like yeah i'm gonna stick with the floorboards yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> these boards are pretty cool that's, you know that's they really interesting <laughs> they supported me yeah there were there were lots of other things that happened at that yeah. storage room with the floorboards things to out. yeah i've heard a lot of people who work in collections facilities have a, a lot of experiences with stuff like weird things that they feel or there's like things actually that like, like haunt the the storage facility itself but it makes sense like if you take things especially like stuff that's not yours taking things and putting them in a room but yeah I've heard from mm -hmm. yeah you've got all these belongings for so many people and, and from so many different histories I think yeah. it makes sense that a storage Absolutely. room would be pretty haunted. Sometimes I wonder if the lab uh, at, at the place where I work, there's kind of like a back warehouse area and there's like office rooms in the front of the building. And it, in the back warehouse area, like ever since the pandemic, I'm usually the only one in the building. Um, and aside from the dogs that take both of my dogs to work with me and some like they'll just bark at random things. They hear noises or whatever. And that doesn't really phase me. Um, but the other day I heard a door slam and it was like, I've been thinking, you know, we've got some artifacts back there and I've just been thinking like, I joke about them being cursed. I joke about every artifact being cursed. Um, but I was just like, I happened to be thinking about it that morning. And then later in the day I heard a door slam and I was like, nobody else is here and the dogs didn't bark. And I was like, what, what's going on? And so like, I just kind of like turned my music off and I, I was like sitting there at my desk and I was like, what happened? And I didn't hear any other noises. And I was like, I don't know, must've been nothing. And then like, so my computer is in front of me and like the door is on the other side of the monitor and I see something move out of the corner of my eye and it's just Kirsten. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, you didn't do that. It was just Kirsten. She came in. I didn't know she was going to be in the office that day. But she made me like 
I just like, she walked around. And I just go, oh, fuck. Oh my God. You just about killed me. <laughs> you just about killed me right now. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Like, What's going to happen? Yeah. I heard a sound, then there was nothing. And then I saw something and it was Kirsten. And it was my coworker. <laughs> <laughs> kind of goes back to what you were talking about with um going out in the woods and getting like kind of have the panic and yeah. everything kind of compiles and noises so, and the stairs oh yeah and the stairs, the stairs. <laughs> what's up with the stairs <laughs> right climbing them? i don't know <laughs> go up to the top see what happens yeah i think you're muted steph Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Try cussing at it. Her mic is haunted. <laughs> yeah, something's figured something out. Not yet. We can see you speaking to us from the beyond, but we can't <laughs> hear you. Give us a sign. <laughs> Damn ghosts playing with my mic. <laughs> they changed the settings. <laughs> Gotta get away. Nope. <laughs> Tipton and I, when we lived together, we were, t someone was talking about a Ouija board and like at the same time, Tipton and I looked at each other and we're like, do not bring a Ouija board in the house. <laughs> that is not happening. That we were both happening. like, hell no. <laughs> No, 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 no. There is enough movies to show that Ouija boards are not okay. <laughs> Unless they really are okay. Like maybe it's like false propaganda of Ouija boards. <laughs> the mainstream media has gone after the Ouija boards. Lies. <laughs> really are safe. Oh. I read her, her so Stephanie's saying my friends and I once stayed in a specifically haunted room of a haunted hotel and we attempted a Ouija board sadly nothing happened <laughs> <laughs> I, I read that wrong initially but it was like something happened and I was like huh, what happened but what happened <laughs> but nothing, nothing. did <laughs> well, well real quick one other spot. It's I don't think it's haunted, but it's just weird. Has any of you been to Burns, Oregon? Yes. Okay. Have you driven through when you before getting into Burns, you drive through Hines? Yeah. And there's a park on your left hand side as you're heading mm -hmm. east. And there's this huge slide. It's this metal death trap. Yeah. It's like 10 feet tall. And like no kid should be going down it. It's metal. It has sharp edges and there's like nothing to catch you at the bottom, but it's just the creepiest slide. <laughs> and I like, tried going down it. You, you tried going down it? I did. And I, I, I panicked and I climbed back down. <laughs> it's that high. So. Oh, <laughs> man. But it is creepy. It's just like in 10 years when that's abandoned. Speaking of scary slides, um, in St. Louis, Missouri, there's the Field Museum. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's this museum that has kind of like an adult-sized playground that um, it's hard to describe, but there's there's a slide that like it's gigantic and it's spirally and it it has like it's also kind of like an art fixture. And so it has these like welded rebar and like jagged edges and like metal just poking out and stuff. And it looks like the most unsafe, terrifying thing in the world. Um, but they also serve um, adult beverages there. And so I, I was there for work and I was, you know, staying overnight and uh, the hotel I was in was like right across the street. And I was like, I'm going to go to the field museum going to have a few beers, going to go down the slide and went up, went down the slide. I was 
very quickly disappointed to learn that because of the tightness of the angle of the the coil of the slide, you don't go fast at all. Like <laughs> I had to kind of boost myself along with my hands to get down. <laughs> like I kept getting kind of stuck and I was like, well, okay. I conquered my fears. Well, you can definitely do the one in Burns. If that one was a disappointment, this one would be exciting. Straight to the ground. Yep. It's like no curves. Happy birthday to the ground. <laughs> That's not my dad. It's a cell phone. <laughs> oh, man. Steph's mic cut out, so we're going to read her chat to us. Um, she says, what I was trying to say before the ghosts cut my line was that stairs in the woods is a popular creepy pasta story. So I wonder if that's why people get creeped out by stairs in the woods. <laughs> All right, so we're going to look at the, the Wikipedia entry. So originating in the Reddit forum are <laughs> no sleep. A common trope in stories is about exploring deep in the woods uh, is mysterious stairs leading to nowhere with no noticeable signs of a previous structure. They're usually found in context of searching for a missing person 10 or 30 to 40 <laughs> miles into the forest. So I never read, um, uh, I, I never read Reddit. I don't really go on there. And so one of the things that I kept noticing was people were talking about 30 to 40 miles into the woods. <laughs> now it makes perfect sense that uh, creepy pasta is not actually about pasta. It's, it's a copy paste uh, talking about copy pasta is the term for just when you have uh, almost like a meme of just like recurring nonsense that occurs in the story. Now it makes sense that the stairs and the 30 to 40 miles <laughs> is the creepy pasta. <laughs> wow this is a wild thing the, yeah. the style and apparent age of the stairs vary wildly between stories from masonry so old it's starting to turn to dirt to stairs that look brand new copy pasted from a suburban home <laughs> <laughs> in at least one case the stairs were upside down with the steps on the underside Ooh. That's creepy. Stairs upside down. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, Creepy Pasta also has a podcast that you can listen to. Nice. Um one just if people listening like um spooky stories, I have found the podcast Spooked is uh really good and it's got good spooky stories and it's also i've had a couple um that i've seen that talk about the historic nature of whatever their spooky thing is so if you, people listening to this get excited about these spooky stories that's a good podcast to listen to that is put on by um i think it's story core so you know and wnyc so a well-produced fun good podcast so Nice. Right now, because I never remember when people recommend podcasts. Like, I'm like, oh, there was a good one. Someone said something about. It's really good. I'm really enjoying it. That's awesome. Well, before we wrap up, uh, we've got to give Steph a shout out. So thanks again for joining us. Uh, even though your your mic is cut out, we know we, we see thumbs up. Um, so Steph has a blog that you all should check out. It'll be included in the show notes. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, uh, more than likely there is an option to see notes. Um, so there will be a link to Steph's blog. It's called Bone Stones and Books. Um, and Steph is also on social media at cult underscore archaeo. Um, and so... That is C-U-L-T underscore A-R-C-H-A-E-O. Not the silly American way of spelling without the second A, <laughs> which I never understand, but it's there. Uh, so yeah, cult underscore Archeo uh, on Instagram and Twitter and check out the blog. And... Uh, 
Also go on Wikipedia and look up uh, Kentucky meat shower. It's a wonderful story that is also an unsolved mystery. I'll do that tonight. Since you gave me nightmares last night with Mothman. <laughs> Mothman always creeps me out. I don't know why. It's like, I, I don't like uh, horror movies don't really affect me that much. Uh, like I, I can usually see the plot coming and if it's just like a gore movie, I don't really care to watch just gore. Um, that's not scary or creepy. It's just unsettling to watch. Um, but like really creepy stories really get me. And Mothman, for whatever reason, always creeps me out. Like just really, really creeps me out. And so the other day, a postal worker at Chicago O'Hare Airport reported seeing a Mothman at the airport at night. And that just, it gives me goosebumps even thinking about it. I hate Mothman. I'm sorry, Mothman. And then there's me who loves Mothman. <laughs> and I even have a sweatshirt that has that Hi. My Favorite Murder animated Mothman going, bye, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I, I love Mothman. Just like, I don't know why. I just think it's hilarious. I love Mothman. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> sorry, Tipton. <laughs> Well, uh, so we also don't have a set outro, so uh, we'll just cut it there. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>